African Dialogue, looking at different events in depth, discussing a variety of issues. What we see here is a clear violation of one, the right to privacy of Tiwonge and uh, Stephen. The position of Greenpeace is that it's been a disappointing meeting. Good morning, everybody. Thank you for joining us for a new week of African Dialogue. Can you believe it? The first month of uh, this year is almost over, already a fast-paced year. Well, thank you for joining us this morning right here on African Dialogue. Remember, we come to you every Monday to Thursday, 1100 hours Central African time. Thank you for joining us on our various platforms on shortwave, on the frequency 7230 kilohertz, on the 41-meter band to Southern Africa. And if you Listening to us on DSTV, don't forget we're on channel 802 on the audio bouquet and you can stream us live on www.channelafrica.co.za. Well, today we're coming back to the South African story once again, looking at the state capture inquiry. Very dramatic turn after we saw former Posasa Chief Operations Officer Angelo Agrizi coming on the stand at the commission. Very dramatic. Actually, the conversation moved away slightly from the Gupta family and actually brought in a new uh, dimension to this conversation. Let me give you a lowdown. A key witness, Angelo Agrizi, has returned to the Commission of Inquiry into State Capture this morning. The former Bosasa COO will once again be testifying before the Commission for the eighth day. Agrizi has implicated high-ranking officials in the Departments of Correctional Services and members of the ruling party, the African National Congress in tender rigging and corruption. According to Agrizi, Bosasa colluded with state officials and politicians in order for the multi-services company to secure multi-million worth of contracts. I think it's more than millions. I think it moves into the billions. Agrizi is expected to finalize his testimony in the next two days. Well, to assist us on this, uh, we have Professor Lisi Batefo, who is a political analyst. Alongside him will also be joined by political analyst Levin Do, who's also on the line. Professor Tefo, let me start with you. I mean, at the beginning of the inquiry, we thought this is just going to be a Gupta family issue. But it seems like now there's a spin since we saw Agrizi taking the stand. Clearly, we're not expecting this turn of events. Yeah, we 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 might not have, but those who are following and a bit critical of sure. what was being said could say possibly, but Havile Gamini and Jacob Zuma knew more about self capture than we credited them for that. Zuma said, yes, you will get it, the Commission of Inquiry. But I have no doubt many of you, when it ends up, you will be in tears. But Havile Lamini said to all those who care to listen, none of you in this NEC of the ANC can claim to be to have no skeleton in his or her cupboard. I remember that now, comment. Mm. Now, given that, suddenly people are waking up to the fact that these people knew what they were talking. Zuma said, I'll give it to you, and you'll get it, but you are going to cry tears. Look, because let's... you were thinking it was about me and the Guptas. And certainly, we know now, there is more to it, and we can expect more to come.
Let's look at how entrenched this kind of tender rigging and corruption was because so many names have been coming out specifically uh, when we're listening to Angelo Agrizi. I mean, just this morning, he's implicating journalists and saying that they were part of their uh, payroll as Bosasa in order to actually keep the story of the corruption underground. No is also implicated the Commission Secretary, Dr. Hotso uh, Devere. We know that was a turnaround uh, a few days ago at the uh, Commission. And last week, we heard the issue of uh, uh, the NPA's um, members coming into this issue, specifically Nomnobo Jiba. Uh, there's so many people who have been implicated in this particular issue. Minister of Environmental Affairs, Nomvula Mokonyane, was a big headline story last week. So it shows how entrenched this modus operandi was, Professor Defo. There's no doubt about that. That is a given. I mean, um, um, we have sufficient evidence to that effect. But what people also must not forget not much is new that is being said by 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 uh, Angelo Agresi. Mm. Not much of what he says is new. What has not been done, and that's where the ruling party and then the um, and the, the, those that were charged with ensuring that the law is upheld should be found to have failed us. Eighty percent of what he says is absolutely not. There's absolutely nothing new. But people who should have acted on the information didn't act at the time when they ought to. There was a lot about the Bosaka for many years. If anything, those who sought to deal with or to act on the allegations were themselves vilified, denounced, and renounced, demoted, and sometimes even lost their lives. Right? You will have Piccoli, uh, Busi Piccoli say, yes, there was political interference. You listen to Judge Mohoro, the inquiry there. There are prosecutors who said there was immense pressure on us not to deal with certain mm. things. And indeed, some of us succumb to the political pressure. So well, let's not pretend mm. that there is anything, there is much that is new. If anything, it's an indictment on those who ought to have acted at the time when they should. But the other point that you have is about the journalist. Mm. There is some, something called embedded journalist embedded journalists. Just like myself, I'm a political analyst. I'm supposedly independent, but you might find that I am embedded. I'm supposed to be independent, objective, and non-biased, but serving certain agendas at one point I become uh, biased and act in favor or in the interest of, and at the same time, brown envelopes being pushed under the table. That is doable, and that is a universal game. Well, uh, let me see if I can bring in uh, Levin Do in this particular conversation. Um, Levy, it's very interesting to see uh, the network and being enlarged, especially now in this Agrizi conversation. The last time we were speaking around the Guptas, but now we're seeing the network is bigger than what we thought. And just like Professor Defo was highlighting that this is not new information, but clearly this particular uh, commission is actually cementing things that are supposed to be in the public domain and actually supposed to also go through uh, legal scrutiny. Good morning, Benjamin. Good morning, Professor Tefu. Good morning to the listeners. Yes, indeed. Um, you know, this commission has been able, uh, through the, uh, the testimonies that we're getting, we've been able to realize 
that if you talk about corruption, that only involves one family as in the Gupta family. You also write, but there is a lot that has actually been going on in South Africa. And what is quite interesting as well is that it is not only about people that would once off receive a particular amount of money. You're talking about high-ranking politicians who had to go to an extent of being on a payroll of a particular company and they get monthly uh, income in order to make these cover-ups. I'm aware that some people would say making a scene, it's, it's, uh, all sins are equal, uh, especially those that are in the Christian religion. But you know, if you have a high-ranking official of government would go to an extent of receiving a monthly salary through a corrupt activity, that then will tell you that indeed these corrupt activities are actually entrenched and uh, the net is actually has to, to be wide, quite wide open. But more interesting is that it is not only certain individuals and high-ranking officials. You also get people that work for the state agencies that are supposed to ensure that corrupt activities are prevented or they don't happen. Mm. Now, if you have high-ranking officials in the hogs, for an example, mm. who are actually influenced to ensure that certain cases uh, nothing happened to certain cases. Mm. Then you're actually collapsing the institutions that must ensure that there is law and order and there is justice. I'm going to hold and you. I'm, I'm going to hold you there, uh, Mr. Ndo. I just need to bring in Mbali Tetani, who is uh, SAPC journalist, joining us uh, from uh, uh, the commission. Uh, Mbali, thank you for giving us your time. Just briefly, I know that we have to let you go soon. Yes, that's right, Benjamin. Of course, uh, we saw the commission getting underway here in Parktown in Johannesburg. And of course, uh, uh, Deputy Justice Raymond Sondo, uh, in his uh, address this morning, dealt with the problems that were faced uh, with the media and the commission. I mean, we saw the previous weekend where um, parts of a Greece's testimony was published mm. in the media and it was published in Sunday and newspapers. And that's something that he dealt with. Uh, we were told that SANEF and the commission held a meeting uh, on Friday to try and come to a conclusion of uh, the media and the commission um, understanding why is there a need to report on um, testimonies which have been leaked already outside of the commission. But of course, uh, we saw Gritsi uh, getting onto the witness stand once more this morning and he basically dealt with uh, some more of um, the evidence uh, that uh, uh, came out of the commission last week. He has told the commission that about they paid about three journalists um, about 30,000 rand per month um, for writing good stories or, or uh, making sure that not no bad um, media coverage is is actually being reported on Bosasa. Of course, uh, they named about three journalists. Um, a group named Nduli as one of those journalists, but did not give us a name, saying that at the time he he or she was basically working for the Star or the Times newspaper. There was also Pinky Mkobane, who was also named, and there was also another Bongs mm. from the Eastern Cape who was named. 
So they were saying that these journalists were paid about 50,000 rand per month. And we also saw that uh, there was a media consulting company that was on the payroll of Bufas at the time because they were, of course, facing bad publicity. And they were paid about a million rand um, to basically get rid of negative publicity surrounding uh, Bufas and to also discredit some some journalists. Mm. Um, He even named some of the journalists that were... um, um, basically attacked and also intimidated and basically they were just trying to shut down stories that they were writing at the time of the mm-hmm. and of course Adrian Basson and uh, Karim Duplessis. So we've just been on a break now. Mm-hmm. Um, the proceedings here are expected to get back shortly. Let me just uh, take a final question with you because I know you have to go in and you have another interview in a few minutes uh, Mbali. Uh, in terms of this, this media coming into the centre of this particular commission we know the leaks were something that were addressed by the commission judge uh, Raymond Zondo and also the fact that now we're seeing um, some of media stakeholders being actually implicated in the commission itself. How does this actually make things complex in this commission? Well, it does make it pretty complex because, I mean, now it is time for SANEF and uh, the commission to be in contact on a regular basis. And, of course, this is something that has just come up. It's not something that um, um, uh, um, Angelo Guzzi had uh, implicated mainly in his statement. Mm. So, I mean, at the times when um, uh, Pretorius was dealing with this evidence, he was saying that there's not much evidence at the moment, but it's something that the commission does plan on dealing with later on. So this is something that has come up to the fore, and it's not something that the Commission and seeing that they were not actually thinking that it would be a major thing to be dealing with. So it does call into question some of the reports. I mean, some media houses have been reporting on Bufasa for more than a decade, and these were reports that some were even ignored. So it does actually, um, now with all of these commissions getting underway and with um, years of reporting done on uh, Bufasa, it is trying to show that this has already been in the in the in the in the, in the media space, but has not been taken into serious light. Well, I'm going to let you go, Mbali. Keep doing the great work covering this uh, particular commission. Thank you for giving us your time. Thank you. That's Mbali Titani, who is an SABC journalist, joining us uh, from the commission itself. I'm going to come back uh, to Mr. Levin Do uh, after this break and uh, Professor Lisi, but therefore I'd like to actually come back to Levin Do first after the break, really to look at what he was highlighting in terms of how uh, national institutions are being compromised and we're seeing more of a bigger network and uh, institutions that are supposed to be ones that we trust, such as correctional service, such as as the NPA seem to be mired in uh, things that they're supposed to be protecting society from. Let's take a quick quick break. It's 22 minutes past 11 o'clock Central African time. Welcome to Change Your Game on Channel Africa, the African perspective. We are coming to you from Johannesburg, right here in South Africa. I'm Asanda Beda, your host. Change Your Game, the program that promotes open discussion and social dialogue as we highlight real issues in the African entrepreneurship ecosystem. Trevor Mumba now joins us in studio to talk about his entrepreneurial and personal journey. Welcome to Change Your Game, Trevor. Thank you so much. Um, it's an honor to be here. Palesa Mukubong, who's a designer. Welcome, Palesa, to Change Your Game. Thank you. Your role at the fourth annual Fashion Without Borders event? I just know that I need to arrive and, and, <laughs> okay. and do my part and do it really, really well. Yeah. 
Well, you are listening uh, to Channel Africa. Thank you for joining me, Benjamin Mushata Maraichi, on African Dialogue. Thank you for joining us on our various platforms, one into Sub-Saharan Africa on shortwave on 7230 kHz on the 41-meter band to Southern Africa, and on DSTV on Channel 802 on the audio bouquet, and that's in South Africa and some neighboring countries in SADC. You can also listen to us internationally on www.channelafrica.co.za. Zede, having a great conversation with our analysts, looking at not a great story, one that is worrying, and that is the State Capture Commission that is underway currently. We just spoke to Mbali Tetani, an SABC journalist, looking at uh, the key uh, issues that came up today from the testimony of uh, a former Bosasa Chief Operations Officer Angelo Agrisi, who is taking the stand uh, uh, this morning and is continuing unveiling how the Posasa multi-services company was actually entrenched in paying bribes to journalists, um, high-ranking officials, uh, members of the ruling party, members of parliament. Now, the plot thickens every week that he actually takes the stand. We've got Professor Lisiba Defo, political analyst from the University of South Africa. Levin Lowe is also a political analyst. He's uh, stationed at the Tswana University of Technology as lecturer there. Uh, let me come to you, Levy, because that conversation with Mbali actually cements some of the points that you are making there in terms of the fact that a lot of institutions and actually sectors of society that are supposed to be protecting society seem to have been compromised here. The paying off of journalists, um, correctional services department, the NPA, it's all uh, institutions that we thought were supposed to be entrenching our democratic dispensation. Indeed, Benjamin. Uh, if you have the NPA that uh, could be bribed, or if you have individuals in the NPA that could be bribed, that compromises uh, the fight against crime and corruption. And obviously then it puts all of us as South Africans in a very, very dangerous situation. And if you want to weaken state institutions, one of the institutions that you need to capture would be the media. So indeed, if you have journalists that will then be, be, be bought or be bribed in order to report in a particular way, that is actually meant to ensure that some information that is very, very crucial and important should not reach ordinary citizens. But what is more interesting about these revelations is that Angelo is not saying that he has heard about these corrupt activities. Angelo is not saying that I heard someone saying that certain individuals are being bribed. Angelo says, I'm the one who has been distributing money from all these different people. He says that he has been very central in all these activities. And what will that mean to all of us? It would mean that the information that is providing has a lot of credibility and one, it's easy to trust the information that you're actually getting from Angel. And obviously, the extent of corruption in South Africa, I know a lot of people are still going to argue and say the private sector is doing this and that. There are other individuals that are doing this, this and that. 
we have to start somewhere. And the information that we're getting from Angelo is very, very important for all of us to say a lot of bad things have actually happened. Maybe we need to start changing the way we do things and the way we behave so that we need to make South Africa a much better mm. place to live in. Professor Tefo, let me come to you in terms of your thoughts. How do you actually navigate how you see this particular issue, especially when you see important figures, people we kind of thought, you know, these guys are actually doing something good. I'm, I can think of Vincent Smith, a member of parliament. I mean, he was a member of SCOPA. He was the chairperson of the standing committee in, in the Auditor General and Portfolio Committee on Correctional Services. I mean, this was a man who was also chaired um, the, the SAPC inquiry. I'm not sure if that's Mr. Defo there, uh, but uh, also the political party funding bill. Um, Professor Tifo, are you there with us? I think we've lost him there. We'll see if we can reconnect with Professor Tifo. Let me bring that conversation with you in terms of seeing individuals like that who actually, in the public eye, they looked very genuine and almost pioneering an ethical viewpoint. I mean, when I especially look at Vincent Smith and the fact that he was also paid allegedly by Posasa is one that actually says, who can we trust in politics? Who can we trust in this, in civil, who is a civil servant currently? Well, uh, Benjamin, I think it, it's very important to note that you can have a very uh, uh, good individual um, uh, who is very good as a human rights activist. Uh, you can have this individual who is very articulative, will talk good uh, about what he needs to see happening in South Africa. Uh, you can still have this individual who is very good at mass mobilization, uh, mobilizing people for a particular part or for a particular cause. But that would not necessarily mean that this person cannot be tempted and become corrupt. Um, uh, we have politicians and leaders of society who are not necessarily uh, wealthy, and these people get easily tempted into receiving certain bribes. I want to agree with Professor Tef when he says that some of the information that we're getting is actually not new. But um, the fighting for human rights and ensuring that you are an active politician does not necessarily mean that you cannot be a corrupt individual. Um, if you listen to these uh, speeches uh, by former President Zuma, in most of his public speeches, he was making a lot of emphasis about the fight against corruption. Uh, interesting enough, when he is talking about the fight against corruption, he was he's also or he was also deeply involved in corrupt activities. And, and it's so difficult to tell by mm. the look uh, on an individual mm. whether this person cannot be uh, corrupt or not. Mm. And if you remember the words by um, uh, Angelo himself, Agrizi, mm. he said in some corrupt activities, even the Pope couldn't uh, reject the offers that they were making. Mm. And that statement for me says that they would have uh, uh, packaged their activities in a manner that 
it will not be resistible. And in that sense, they would be gradually capturing individuals and then have sufficient control of the state. Professor Defo, as a society, as ordinary citizens, I'm sure we're saying, who can we trust now? Yeah, look, um, um, I'm wary to play into the terrain that that would suggest that um, Africans are easily corruptible. Yes, indeed, the picture that comes from up north in general is that of the people who have failed their own. And when somebody like Donald Trump says, as whole countries and as whole leaders, who steal from their own to come and invest in our countries and come and holiday in our country, come for medication in our country, bring their children for education in, the, in our countries. Please, rather than to say is the rent of a racist, a black man must look at himself. That's one. Number two, when uh, Rupert says, um, stop doing B, A, B, C, D and invest in self-development, please stop saying you are, he's racist. Look at yourself. You want to change the world, start with yourself. Now, what it says to me is that not all members of the ANC are corrupt or corruptible. We have had value-driven leaders in the ANC and in many other countries. But when you succumb to the God of money, then you must know there will be consequences. And when you hold high office, in fact, the moral standard we hold you up to is much higher than to the, of, of the ordinary Joe. So yes, indeed, we have been failed. Yes, indeed, they must account for that. Yes, indeed, the law must take its, its, its own course. But I must say, it behoves us like a greasy, who I think maybe 10, 20 years down the line, we might think of erecting a statue in his honor. But we must stand up and be many aggressive and be averse the wrong things that we see happening because they are not in our national interest. Well, let's look at uh, that particular point that you're making since you are politicizing it and bringing forth uh, the overt uh, involvement of the African National Congress, Professor Tefo. I mean, we are just uh, a few days away. I don't even want to say months because the elections are just around the corner. We're counting down very, very quickly. And the ANC's name has been very prominent in these cases. And people linked to the ruling party have been associated with this state capture issue. Do you think this is going to actually uh, be uh, something that is going to hit uh, the ANC when it comes to the election? and actually create a deficit for them? Oh, yes, I have no doubt about that, and they also are aware. Uh, Unfortunately, maybe the timing was not really the appropriate one. And I'm saying, I hear the the opposition saying, take action now. And I'm saying, yeah, you can want, if you want them to take action today, right, it might be to our detriment or to our disadvantage, because the longer the people here are greases and many other greases to come, the more it plays to the advantage of the opposition. It's almost a campaign for the opposition. That's the, the political side. But the technical side is the one that I agree with, too, agree with that where, where necessary, where possible, let actions be taken. But let us also at the same time not be preemptive, color, and undermine the, the commission itself. I know politicians are also good at that.
Because if you push too hard and you begin to have several parallel processes, it might end up delegitimizing the commission itself. So it's a a delicate balance there, but there are cases that have been pending that can benefit out of the evidence and that can be acted upon immediately without compromising the commission. Mm. And in that regard, we're seeing uh, the name of uh, former President Jacob Zuma coming back once again in a recording supplied at uh, the commission, Mr. Levindo. Uh, we hear the Bosasa boss, Gavin Watson, bragging about how he will be speaking to former President Jacob Zuma about an appointment of a new uh, national director of uh, public prosecutions. Uh, we know that uh, Namnobo Jiba has been compromised within the NPA and uh, uh, this particular tape we heard uh, Gavin Watson saying that this uh, National Director of Public Prosecutions will actually protect uh, Jiba at a meeting uh, scheduled between uh, them uh, between Gavin Watson and Jacob Zuma. It seems like Jacob Zuma's name keeps resurfacing again and I'm saying this to the point that uh, Professor Defoe is making in terms of uh, how this could actually compromise the position of the ruling party in the next elections because he's also campaigning for the ANC. What does the link around Zuma's name resurfacing mean, not only for Jacob Zuma, but for the ANC as a whole? Who who would be surprised, Benjamin, to hear the name of Jacob Zuma? Uh, Remember, uh, in the build-up towards... um, the elective conference of the ANC in Pulukwane in 2007, there was a a considerable number of individuals within the ANC who were saying that we would not love to be led by Jacob Zuma because Jacob Zuma is corrupt. And if you remember, there was a case that was pending which had to be withdrawn and that boosted his campaign for the leadership of the ANC. And another aspect that we need to look at as well is that when certain individuals left the ANC to form the, the, uh, the Congress of the People, one of the reasons that they cited mainly was that they do not want to be, lead, to be led by a corrupt individual. And what will then mean for the ANC is that you have got a bag of mixed feelings. There are some within the ANC if I want to agree with Professor Tefu, there are some within the ANC who are very excited about these developments because these are the people who are always saying in the ANC that we need to get rid of certain individuals or we must not give them positions of responsibility because these people are corrupt. And in the documents of the ANC, that is the one that talks about through the eye of the needle. If indeed there was implementation on, on the contents of that document, Jacob Zuma would not even have been the leader of the African National Congress. Now, it is up to the ANC now to say, we need to ensure that corrupt individuals, even though it's not easy to detect these people, but those that are being mentioned, the ANC now, through the list processes and other processes, must ensure that in the interest of uh, 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 gaining back confidence from the voters, they should actually make sure that they sideline these people 
because already their names are tainted. Mm. But also at the same time, there are people within the ANC that are very angry, uh, of course, that there is this commission. Because this commission is actually exposing mm. them, mm. and obviously they don't want this commission to continue, and they will do everything to ensure that they delegitimize everything that is actually happening within the commission. Okay. But for all of us, mm. it's important to say we've had a chance to know what is happening and then what then do we do as ordinary citizens of this republic to ensure that we fight or we intensify the fight against I'm going to take a quick break and then I, when I come back, I'm going to contest that viewpoint because even the one who is seen as clean in this position, which is the president of the ANC and the country, Sir Ramaphosa, is now being actually um, getting a probe from the country's public protector. Uh, and uh, this is to a 500,000 uh, that uh, Bosasa uh, had actually given uh, to uh, the ANC. Uh, for his campaign and that is actually something that's been brought forward uh, by EFF leader Julius Malema saying hey even those who we think are innocent within the African National Congress are not. Well that's how we'll wrap up the conversation after this quick break Swiss chocolate wouldn't be Swiss chocolate without African cocoa. (laughs) You know, it's funny when you think about it that way because you realize just how important Africa is to the global economy. And as long as we are deemed to be inferior by the community out there, nothing's ever going to change. I believe it's one of the uh, ancient Greek philosophers who said that when we teach, we'll learn twice. Hello, Africa. Welcome to 1,000 African Voices on Channel Africa. 1,000 African Voices every Saturday morning at 9am with repeats on Sundays between 10 and 11 as well as on Monday morning between 3 and 4 Central African Time 1000 African Voices with me Awurengwi C on Channel Africa the voice of the African Renaissance from an African perspective well, let's wrap up the conversation. Um, we've got Professor Lissi Batefo, uh, analysts alongside uh, Levindo, uh, joining us for this conversation. My final point was that, that hey, it seems like not any, everyone we think is innocent is innocent, Professor Defo. Uh, this issue around uh, Posasa giving the ANC money for um, the campaign for uh, President uh, Sir Ramaphosa to be elected as ANC uh, president is something that is a cloud over uh, Ramaphosa's head. What are your thoughts around that as we wrap up the conversation in two minutes? Yes, indeed, sir. Um, did he really need that money? No. Did he know about it? That is a moot point. Because unprovoked, he made statements that ended up being contradictory in Parliament. And I suspect uh, there will be a price to pay for that. And But the thing is for me, did he need that money? No. And, but because the culture was such that everybody, I mean, it was almost like a tap that was flowing to the connected elite of the ruling party so you could get it and get away with it. Unfortunately, things have turned against them. But uh, the lessons to learn for me from all these things is that when you are in there and you are in power, remember this is a public office. You may think you are invincible, but one day there will come men and women of integrity who would say things must be done the right way in the constitution of the Republic of South Africa and the national flag must be respected.
what are your final sentiments, uh, Mr. Levindo? Um, I remember um, the, Cyril Mab- the President Cyril Ramaphosa being questioned uh, at the World Economic Forum last week around this particular issue of uh, his possible link to Bosasa. Yes, indeed. Um, uh, mine would also follow on what Professor Tefes just said, you know. Um, whether um, uh, willingly President Ramaphosa knew that there is a bribe that is coming in his direction, which was taken to, uh, given to his son, or as to whether he is deeply involved in these corrupt activities. Um, wh- another idea that I think we need to look at as well, um, now that the commission is still running, will be to look at, um, uh, in some instances, motives uh, for certain activities. Mm. Um, uh, whether Greece is saying, we gave money to Ramaphosa's son as a bride, or we gave him money uh, uh, as some form of gesture, uh, or uh, uh, to have his father run his campaign, or we just gave him money because he did some work for us. That's something that did not come through. But what is very, very important is that there is no free money uh, uh, in South Africa mm-hmm. and everywhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, there should be a reason why certain, uh, some monies are given to certain individuals. And that will then mean that leaders need to be extra careful in terms of what is actually being given to them. Because at the end of the day, there is a motive for, uh, mm-hmm. for certain gifts and one has to be extremely careful so that you don't get embroiled in a controversial situation. Well, thank you, gents, for giving us your time. We really appreciate your contribution. That was the voice of Levin Do, a political analyst alongside Professor Aliseba Tefo, who was also giving us his political viewpoints there, analyzing the situation of uh, the uh, Commission of Inquiry into State Capture. Thank you once again, gents, for giving us your time. Thank you. Well, hello.